You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the conservative conscience. And welcome back to the conservative conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, cutting through all of the half-truths, lies, and hot air. And certainly we've been doing that all day here at Conservative Review. My brain hurts, my head hurts, everything hurts from going through all these spreadsheets to try to figure out the tax bill. And I do this because, you know, I know a lot of you look to me and look to Conservative Review for analysis on, okay, Daniel, what's really in the bill? What what are they really doing? What's the, you know, what are the policy provisions? What are the political motivations? Where is this headed? And I want to try to always be on top of that. So as best as possible, I can answer those questions, you know, to the best of my ability, what I believe in my heart and just by using the raw facts of what's going on. And I find myself in the weirdest position I've ever been in where, you know, usually I'm the one telling you they're screwing us, they're, you know, this bill is worse than doing nothing, uh, you know, going against the grain in that sense. In this case, almost everyone in the country believes this bill raises taxes on them. And you know, I'm here to tell you that the final Senate version, which is likely, for a number of reasons, likely the framework that the, that they're going to use at a conference committee and going to be the final bill signed into law if if it gets that far. It actually is an over. It's it's a tax cut really for everyone outside of anomalous circumstances, and a significant tax cut for a lot of families, partic- particularly families with kids. Um. You know, so it's just simple arithmetic. I've just been working with the numbers. Now, the fact that so many think, and when I say so many, I don't just mean the left with the typical class warfare. Oh, you're raising taxes on the middle class to give to the rich. I think you guys see you see through that. No, it's garbage. But even many of you in the audience, I'm getting messages. I'm hearing it in my neighborhood, my community, friends, family. Um, you turn on talk radio for a minute and you listen to callers that are clearly, uh, you know, conservative voters. They think they're getting their taxes increased. So that in itself demonstrates the failure of the Republican Party. That even if, in my view, when they finally stumble across something good, the way they went through the process, just doing it so quickly, starting off bad and then having to work backwards into fixing the problems, but people don't even know the problems are fixed, so then they're still upset about it. They, they talk about tax reform and don't define it, and then they don't even reform the code. It's a tax cut, but they don't message it as a tax cut. They don't get up there and say, businesses will get this amount off. This means this and this amount of jobs, more weight, higher wages, and, and cheaper goods and services. Individuals, on average, will save 1500 or so a year. Families, 2500 3000 for most families. And, and you beat the drum. Instead, they can't even sell their own bill even when it does that. So that's part of the problem here. So we have a tall order for today's show. We have, there's really a lot going on, what they are screwing us with. Uh, the Kate Steinle stuff, I'm going to link to in show notes my article on that. It ties into the budget, that they're going to have a budget expire December 22nd. 
that's a that's a kill zone right before Christmas. No good could come out of that. The insurance bailout. There's stuff to talk about with healthcare, with and um, not Amazon. Amazon can't get into pharmaceuticals because of things like CVS buying out Aetna. Perfect illustration of the government created cartel monopoly destroying healthcare. Um, cutting out the consumer because the consumer is not the consumer. A lot to talk about, which is why, as I've said a number of times, I don't even think taxes is the main issue. You know more than anyone I opposed even approaching this this issue. And I opposed the House bill because I felt that the, that the House bill was kind of dumb. Um, and that, that, that fundamentally that the House bill did raise taxes on a number of people. You know, it just did. That's just a reality. But even me, who's, who believed in that, I, I'm telling you, this is not the approach I would have taken to the tax bill. You know, I would have the neutral tax, abolishing all federal income taxes, corporate, individual, devolving it to the states, have the fight on how and what and what sort of deductions on a local level that's more tailored to where you are, and then have the feds come on the back end and have a flat tax on their on the state revenue. Um, I want to get that a little later. I would do several other things differently. But nonetheless, if ultimately this is the framework, just to be brutally honest with you, I don't have a justification to encourage members to vote against it. In fact, they should vote for it. Does this absolve them of Obamacare? You know, does this absolve them of amnesty, of all other stuff they're doing? No. But they're going to do that stuff anyway, and that stuff is going to succeed or fail on its own merits and on our ability to fight those issues independently. You know, the fact that we're going to lend support for a tax cut and just take the one good thing we can get out of it, you know, that, that that's not going to have any bearings on those other issues. And I just, I just don't see a reason to, to oppose something that, for most people, is going to give them a, a several thousand dollars back. Um, I, I just don't see, you know, I, I just don't see a justification. So that's why I want to spend the time to go through why this bill is really a cut in the end, why some of you who think it's an increase are really wrong. Why I understand why you are, think it's an increase, and you're right in that sense, and the GOP is stupid, and why because of the perception, I don't even think we should be taking this whole approach in a perfect world, and we should be doing several other things. And I have really kind of three other options that I think we should do, be doing. One is earth-shattering, one's kind of middle ground, and one is more small ball, but I think it would be a lot better than what we're doing now. So let's let's unpack this. Basically, the problem is this thing started out with Republicans just working around revenue benchmarks. Because they refused to cut spending, because they refused to reform the filibuster, so they have to go through budget reconciliation rules, they have revenue benchmarks. So therefore, it's too hard, it was too hard originally to give a clean permanent long-term corporate tax cut and a clean long-term permanent individual tax cut because there wasn't enough revenue to work with. So originally they had a 1.4 trillion corporate tax cut that they just did a terrible job of selling it to the American people that it was good policy. And then they did a revenue neutral individual tax cut in the house. Basically 
they raise $3 trillion in taxes, they cut $3 trillion in taxes. And the problem we, we mentioned with that is that most would only get a small tax cut and many would get a small tax increase. So it just wasn't worth it. So what they did in the Senate is they fixed a lot of the problems by using budget gimmicks. Now, look, I'm opposed to using budget gimmicks. They usually use them to uh, raise, to, to increase spending. Here, they're using it to just give a better tax cut. So really, this is a solid tax cut. It's just, you know, they'll start the corporate tax cut one year later. They'll have the individual tax cuts officially expire in year eight of the 10-year budget window. But we all know, history has shown, certainly on the people that there's that some are wrongly accusing of getting a tax increase, lower income, middle income, middle upper income, it will never be allowed to expire. It would just be on the very wealthy. But again, it's not worth opposing a tax cut now because it will set up a cliff later. Meaning the question you always have to look at is, is this better or worse than current law? Not compared to ideally what you should be doing. We're going to talk about ideally what we should be doing. But sadly, that's not an option on the menu until we get a new political party and a new movement in this country. So if you're going to put in front of me a bill, I need to know, is it on net worse, too much of a wash, or on net better, albeit not as good as it could be? And if it's the latter, I really have no justification to oppose it. In fact, we should support it, you know, with all the caveats, but we should support it. You know, I've opposed the past health care bills because my point was they would make things worse and we would get blamed for it and would lead to a worse outcome. The House tax bill, when it initially started out, I believe the same thing. The Senate bill, at the end of the day, it leaves a lot more of the deductions in place and the rate cuts are deeper and the child tax credit is doubled from 1000 to 2000 and that's not a deduction that's a credit that's money in your pocket and you know for for those of you more in the 100 200 300 1000 uh, income range under current law you get zip you know phased out after 110,000 of combined income and you get nothing right now you'll get 2000 you'll net 2000 per kid so you know it 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 certainly overcomes the elimination of the personal uh, exemption and the elimination of a couple of the deductions. It keeps the medical expenses deduction, which is very important. You know, I don't think the government should be involved in in uh, medical. You know, using the tax code to distort healthcare in the first place. But dude, that ship has sailed. You have the two hundred seventy billion per year ex- employer exclusion. That has created the entire insurance cartel and cut out the consumer, the original sin of healthcare. So the best we can do is equalize the tax treatment for alternatives to insurance out of pocket, for example. So, you know, the House bill got rid of that completely. The Senate bill not only doesn't get rid of it, it actually lowers the threshold. Right now, you can only deduct over 10% medical expenses exceeding 10% of AGI. Um, they lowered it to 7.5, which is, by the way, what it used to be before Obamacare raised it. So that's good. You know, it keeps the adoption child, the adoption tax credit. It keeps a lot of other um, deductions. Um, some I support, some I don't like, but politically they're popular. So you know, I guess it's a good thing in the scheme of things just to get this passed. You know, 
it is what it is. And then in the late hour, and one of the final things that they did, you know, one of the bi- the biggest, most controversial thing is that it got rid of SALT, state and local t- tax deductions. Um, the final bill, it actually adds in a $10,000. You could deduct up to 10000 for property taxes. Now, to be clear, as you know, I wrote an article on this. I oppose that compromise. I think they should have 10000 for all taxes. In other words, any mix. Because 10000 for property taxes is insane. It means you either have a massive home or you live in one of those few jurisdictions or states that have insane property taxes. Most people don't have 10000 You know, I live in Baltimore County. It's kind of middle of the road. On a $350,000 house, I pay 4500 But I pay a lot more in state income taxes, state and local income taxes. For me, it's already up to about 9000 That 9000 I cannot deduct. I can only deduct the 4500 So what happens is that's not enough for me to itemize anymore, even though you te- they didn't get rid of mortgage interest and charity. But once you take out the salt, it's you know, and then they double the standard, so it takes you to 24 you're going to wind up taking the standard. So, but but even again, even me under this system, where I would get shafted by this compromise of giving nothing for state income but lavish for property, I would still come out ahead because I have three kids, and you know I remember I told you I estimated the previous versions I would actually see a tax increase of a few hundred dollars, not much, but a few hundred dollars, I would come out. Roughly, you know, at least $2,000 a head under this bill. Um, and, and, and again, Maryland is one of the highest state income tax jurisdictions. Now, you might say, well, what if you're in New York or New Jersey? Well, you get the $10,000 deduction for property taxes. Will you come out a little bit behind on, sta- on, on itemization? Yes. But enough to wipe out the benefits of the expanded child tax credit and the lower rates? No. Not in most cases. Now, okay, I'm getting some messages from some of you living in New Jersey, places like that, that have insanely high property taxes, insanely high income taxes, and the property values are insanely high. So your mortgage interest is high. Look, if you're in an insane jurisdiction and you don't have kids, let's say you're an empty nester, but you do have a home, let me just ask you the following question. Is that a conservative argument to make? That we should be subsidizing the most insane jurisdiction? Look, I would have cut spending and cut the rates even more. I would have done more. But let's face it, from a public policy standpoint at a federal level, even if you had a good conservative party, everyone says they support a flat tax, that you want to lower the rates but get rid of deductions. Well, what do you mean? What about the people that so heavily rely on salt? I mean, you, you, you can't subsidize the worst behavior from the worst tax jurisdictions. You either got to move out of there or create a movement to, to, to get rid of it. By the government fueling it, the federal government that is fueling it with the with with the full salt with no limitations on it it's not going to solve it this will force them to face the pain now again if you remember me from a few episodes ago a few weeks ago at least i argued against this line of thinking for the house bill because i felt the rates didn't come down enough and it wasn't just the top 
1% insane jurisdictions, it was maybe the top 30 to 40% percentile of tax of state and local income tax jurisdictions. So I said, wait a minute, that, that's already too much. You're roping in way too many people there. We don't want to be raising taxes, even if we don't agree philosophically in the first place with the SALT deduction. But if you're going to lower the rates substantially and then still keep 10000 for property, but you're going to say, well, there's some people that that's still not enough. Look, I mean, what, we're supposed to hijack our entire federal system just because of your crazy jurisdiction? I mean, I feel for you. But, you know, again, it's really, I believe, and I haven't done the math fully yet, but it's got to be empty nesters in those jurisdictions. But also, by the way, keep in mind that if usually if you're an empty nester, let's say you're in your 50s. Now, it could be you bought a new home just then with your wife and you updated to a new home. But usually you're at the tail end of your original mortgage. So the way, just briefly for those that don't know, the way mortgage interest deduction works is, or first the way the mor- a mortgage works is that the interest is front-loaded. So you pay the most interest in year one and the least in year 30. So you pay mainly the interest up front, and then the latter years, you're mainly paying principal, you know, the, the, the main part of it. And the tax deduction is not for your mortgage. It's for mortgage interest. So most of the benefits are in the – it's a sliding scale. You get the biggest benefit of buying a home on your tax returns in year number one, the smallest benefit in year number 30. So for most people in their 50s, your mortgage interest deduction will be pretty low anyway that it could be you know, with the, with the $24,000 standard deduction. Now, you might just be taking the standard anyway. Um, you know, even getting rid of salt. And, and yeah, you might lose a few thousand more than you would have had with your itemization, but it's not going to be enough to wipe out the, 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 the rate increase. But that, that's my question to you. Could I tell you that 100% of people will be getting a cut? No. No. Um, and, and again, which is why I would have rather just had, because let's face it, and we're going to get to this in a minute, we're not, this is not really reform anyway to cut the rates and get rid of some deductions it's not fundamentally changing the system which will change the relationship of government and what we need to be doing we'll get to that it's it's just it's not pro growth enough that it's worth it i would have just had a straight up rate cut don't touch deductions just do a straight up rate cut and cut spending that's what that's i i'm i'm with you 100% those of you that are upset about this. I would have done that. So therefore, it would be literally 100% of people. But I'm just saying, you do have to keep in mind that it was a conservative talking point universally that we're going to have a flat tax. So I just have news for you. If you are in an insanely high state and local tax jurisdiction, and you so heavily rely on that, I mean, what do you want us to do no matter what we do? Heck, we could cut the marginal rates to 5%, and you're going to have anomalies. You know, you could have someone feasting off of one or two deductions that just, you know, account for $100,000 of income or something. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, <laughs> what are we to do? Um, you know, again, I support the the, the medical out-of-pocket uh, deduction. 
But I'm just saying, I, I heard someone call into Hannity's show saying that basically their entire income was deducted through that. I mean, look, so if I were, if I, if I were given as, as a senator or congressman from my leadership two options, one would keep the deduction, but it would barely lower rates. One would lower rates to 5%, 5% marginal rates. Are you telling me I shouldn't take that because on net there will be a few anomalies of people that had effective tax rates of 1% that now their rates are going to go up? That's ridiculous. So I'm just, I'm just telling you, you have to keep that in mind. And this is why people like Rand Paul, despite you know originally arguing against it as I did, they're saying, look, you know, it's not what I would have done in totality, but on net this is a clear tax cut for almost everyone, significantly for many families, middle income. You know, it, it, it's good. Now, where did they get some of the extra revenue from? So I was originally suspicious. I was like, oh, great. So now you're going to soak the rich. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to raise taxes on them even more to pay for this. But what I saw, what they did with this AMT, you know, because originally they abolished AMT completely. They put back in a corporate AMT and individual AMT. Now, I'll be very honest with you. The corporate AMT is above my pay grade. I don't understand the way it works. I don't understand C-Corps that well, the tax structure, which is why I haven't talked about it a lot. Um, but I don't think there's anyone out there that's saying on net, this is not a big benefit on the corporate side. So on that account, there's really no complaint. On the individual side, my understanding from my brother-in-law, who's a partner in accounting firm, very, very smart on these issues, he read the section of the bill, the uh, the manager's amendment that had this AMT, that it would mainly affect, the only people that would come out behind are those between, let's say, 500000 to 750000 of income with, let's say, a certain percentage of it being investment income, maybe 100000 or so dividends and, and interest. And they would get stuck in this AMT where on net they would have had certain deductions, others they wouldn't have had anyway, but others they would have, and the rates wouldn't come down enough to, I mean, it would be marginal. The scenario he gave me was they'd have a couple hundred dollars more in state taxes. So, and this was for someone in Maryland. He did this for Maryland, again, a very high tax jurisdiction. So even then, most states he wouldn't, in a state like Maryland, he'd come out behind very slightly, but I got news for you. At that income level, you know, email me if you think I'm wrong, but under the final provisions of this bill, which, by the way, expanded the S-Corp position, uh, pass-through deduction to 23%, they're just going to take the S-Corp. They're just going to go through the pass-through route. Most will have the ability to structure their income through an S-Corp, and they won't be hit with the 35% top rate. So they, of course, will be getting a big cut. So it really does work out that almost everyone gets a big cut. Now, look, is this massively pro-growth at the top? No, I, I, th I think the wealthy, that is where the money is. Um, you know, it's funny, I, had a, I have a neighbor who, he's not a liberal, but he's not really concerned. He doesn't understand the constitution so well, but he's not a hack. He'll get bought into certain things, but other things not kind of middle of the road type of guy. And he's like, well, Daniel, you know, 
I don't get this bill so much. And even if I get $500, is that really the way to help the economy? I'd rather other things that would grow the economy more. And what I said to him, I said, first of all, you know, Jan, you got, you got, three kids. So you for sure, I know I know your income, I know where you live. You live next door to me. I know your situation. You would be benefiting 2 to 3,000 on net every year from this bill. So it's not 500. But moreover, I said you're right. You're right. You want to help the economy and the middle class and the lower income to up, have upward mobility more than having your personal tax cut would be the corporations and the rich because that's where the money is. That's where the job creation is. And again, this is not subsidizing the rich. This is just taking a a, a baseline where they pay a tremendous amount. It is so progressive. The top 1% pay, they earn 20% of the income. They pay 40% of the income taxes, 40% and make it, make it better. But again, you know, even under the current bill, the left and the media are demagoguing and Republicans are doing a horrible job defending it. So that wasn't an option on the table. It wasn't an option on the menu. It still is a cut, just not as significant. I would rather the top rate be lower than 35. I'd rather it be 28. But again, I will tell you that the S-Corp provision will make enough of those people, it will knock them probably to below 28 effective tax, you know, with their tax rate. And then, you know, so they should be fine. It's not as much as I want, but, and it's not that pro growth, you know, child tax credit, it's, it's fairness. It's a matter of cuts and giving middle-class relief. It's not that pro growth. The corporate tax, they made it a little less pro growth than it would have been because they wanted to get extra revenue for the individual side. Will it blow a hole in the deficit? Yes, but they're doing that anyway. In other words, if the two options are they're not going to cut spending or not give a tax cut or not going to cut spending and give a tax cut, look, take the tax cut. That's all I'm telling you. Does it get rid of the progressivity? Of course not. It might make it even more progressive. But at the end of the day, does it cut taxes for everyone in every major income level Outside of anomalies, yes, it does. I have a very hard, hard time justifying, a, you know, maintaining my opposition from the House bill to the final Senate bill. I just have a very hard time doing that. Look, I, I want to know your thoughts. Tell me if you think I'm missing anything. Tell me if you, you know, if you think I'm wrong here. And then, yes, it does include the individual mandate repeal. Now, I understand that they're going to do an insurance bailout, but they're going to do that anyway. And whether we succeed in blocking it or not is what it is. That 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 will succeed or fail on its own merits. Uh, you know, the, the uh, while I'm at it, I'll take the tax cut that also has the repeal of the individual mandate. And you know, look, I'll take the individual mandate repeal and let, and then we'll try to block the insurance bailout. If we succeed, we succeed. If we don't, we don't. But it's worth trying. It's worth taking the you know individual mandate repeal. Very hard to say I'm going to vote against it. So that's that, that's kind of the broad framework that I see here. But nonetheless, I understand. Republicans forever didn't define what they're doing. They didn't have a narrative. They didn't have guiding principles. They don't show their work. They're not even selling the bill like I am. They're not even – I have to sell it for them. They're doing a horrible job, and the first iterations of the bill were pretty bad. 
So people still have that in their mind, like, wait a minute, I'm going to lose the state and local income tax deduction. That's not going to be enough. Even though under current law, it, under the current bill, it really will be enough to get a cut, except for in the you know craziest of cases. You really have to have a tremendous amount of, of salt. And if you have that much, you really have an income level that at your income level, the benefits you're going to get from the other parts of the bill should overshadow that. In other words, your rate cut's going to be more. Because again, if you have low income, then you know there's not much taxation, much income being exposed to taxation. So lowering the marginal rates, you know, lowering a low number on a low income is a low number. You know, it's arithmetic. Um, whereas if you're 150, 200, 250 already, then, you know, the rate cut is meaningful. And then also, if you have kids, if you have dependents, right now, not only are you getting double, you're actually, you're, you're, you're not just getting 1,000 per kid, you're getting 2,000 per kid. Because at that income level, you don't get any child tax credit. It's phased out. Whereas now, and this is one provision I've, I've believed in for years, I don't think child tax credit should be means tested. You know, if you're saying for a kid, for those expenses, you raise a kid, um, you know, you deserve a credit, then it, you know, why should it be phased out at 110000 of combined income? So the current bill raises it all the way to 500000 That That's very significant. I mean, look, I, should they cut spending? Yes. Should the rate cuts be even deeper? Yes. Should it be less progressive? Yes. Should we restructure the code to, to have a fair tax, flat tax, or this neutral tax of abolishing federal taxes and just a flat tax in state revenue? Yes. Is this that pro-growth? No. Is this worth... You know, not repealing Obamacare. No, that you know, paying two to three thousand dollars of premiums, the price inflation on healthcare is a much bigger issue than taxes. I would have rather deal with ta- with healthcare than taxes. But to say that this bill is a tax increase, that's a different argument, and that is a not true argument. And I, you know, I got to speak the truth. Just because I hate the Republicans, I'm not going to lie about a bill. This is simple arithmetic. You know, part of, and I don't mean to sound, you know, like I'm putting people down, but part of the thing here is I'm seeing a lot of people don't understand that just the basic structure of just a simple tax return. I'm not talking about, you know, pass through and if you have an LLC or whatever, no, just simple wages, the simple itemization, simple standard, personal exemption, child tax credit, boom. Here's your here's your tax return. And there's simple online software. Just look, you know, most of you, most people do it online. Just, you know, log into your, I go to FreeTax USA or if you go to Tur- TurboTax or whatever. It should show a presentation. You, you could plug these numbers in. Let me tell you, I'm the first to tell you, I am horrible at math. I am literally at a nine, not between ninth and 10th grade level of math. That, that's where I stopped. I don't remember a word of trigger or calculus. But this is simple arithmetic. It's percentages. It's subtraction, addition. You know, it, it, it just, it's just a simple math. And I think too many people are like, well, I'm losing deductions. Well, a little bit on net, but nowhere near the amount you're gaining under the Senate bill on the other provisions. So you got you to look at the math. 
And and again, I, I will come out with an article, God willing, this week on five to seven provisions that I think would make it better, what I would do in the conference committee to make it better. Yes, we have to make sure it doesn't become worse. We have to be vigilant. We have to raise our voices. And and, and notice, I am not, you know, in my articles, in my public comments, in my private messages to members, I'm trying to get them to make it even better and make it even better. And and we succeeded to a certain degree until now. Um, so I'm not just gonna say, oh, this is amazing. Oh, let's just get, no, let, let's, let's fix certain other things. But at the end of the day, as written right now, it's, it's very inaccurate, the things that are being thrown at it. And a lot of it, some of it's the GOP's fault. Some of it's a lack of understanding of just tax returns that, you know, and here, here's the thing. There's a broader, this entire discussion, and this is what I wanted to get to, brings up a broader truism that the entire tax code should be restructured. Not meaning not just restructure the tax code, oh, lower some rates, get rid of deductions, but change the entire way the federal government collects taxes. Because under the current system, the reality is that most people don't understand how much they actually pay. Most people under a certain income threshold don't pay that much, but they don't realize it. And then therefore, anytime you want to do a tax cut under the existing structure, there's no good way to do it. Because, of course, most of the dollar amount benefits will go to the super wealthy because they pay most of the dollar amount in taxes. Meaning, so if someone pays a million dollars in taxes and you give them a 5% cut, and someone pays $1,000, and you give them a 10% cut, and that's how this is. This, much like the Reagan and Bush tax cuts, because of the political considerations, they structure it by giving even a larger percentage of the cut to the bottom, which is why the Reagan and Bush tax cuts actually made the tax code more progressive. But still, people don't appreciate it, and they still complain about it. I'm only getting a $100 tax cut while that dude over there is getting $50,000 tax cut. Well, yeah, because he pays an insane amount and he's only getting a 5% cut. You're getting a 10% cut. I mean, what are we supposed to do? Just hand you money you didn't earn? You know, that that's the problem here. You know, so to be clear, let me let me just work backwards and get back to my fundamental reform. Let me let me get to three things that I would propose. Number one, just within the existing structure, I would just say, look, cut spending and make the rates even lower. So that way, even people in the craziest state and local tax jurisdictions, there will be no questions. They'll also get some sort of a cut, even if they don't have kids, by the way. So I would do that by one of the things I'm going to propose to the Freedom Caucus and some others in the Cruz and Paul's office is to advocate for a change at conference that would take the Tom Coburn waste book. If you remember, you know, God forbid, shall we cut welfare, entitlements, health, healthcare, whatever, but at least take his no-brainer spending cuts. He had a whole list of just crazy spending cuts extrapolated over 10 years. Take that hundred, several hundred billion in revenue and either get the rates down even more or one thing I would probably do is keep the person or some level of personal exemption 
for those that aren't taking the child tax credit. So again, if you have children, you're getting a cut. Don't tell me you're not. You are. I challenge you to show me how you're not. If you don't have children and you have a home in a very expensive area on high tax jurisdiction, then you might it might be a wash or a slight tax increase. So for those people, I think they should get the option of getting a personal, some level of personal exemption. That will ensure everyone's covered. So that's kind of a small ball fix. Then I have a bigger thing, and you know I've said this before. You want to get revenue to pay for a massive tax cut, not just a couple hundred billion more, but several trillion more. Abolish the insurance cartel handout. As you know, the pers- the corporate exemption for health insurance. The 800-pound gorilla in the, in the room. And I, I'll, I'll probably try to write an article on this as well. How to fix taxes and health care and spawn massive economic growth in one shot. And it, it shouldn't even be ideologically partisan. Everyone should agree to this. Right now, the 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 exemption that businesses take you know off of of you know their employer taxes in order to give them health insurance they paid it, it, it is from my understanding from CBO it's worth 270 billion in lost revenue per year now i don't know how to extrapolate that exactly over 10 years but roughly 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 that's about 2.7 trillion over 10 years 2.7 trillion Abolish that. Now, you're going to say, what do you mean? But then you're raising taxes and then, then I have to buy health care. No. You remit that back in the form of a $2.7 trillion additional tax cut, both on the corporate side and individual side. Blow it, blow it out. Have a massive tax cut. So now you buy, purchase insurance on your own, but you have all 325 million people with the same purchasing power all in the individual market. Rates come down tremendously for insurance premiums. It will force repeal of Obamacare because you will spawn massive competition. It will spawn a revolution putting the consumer back in charge. It will repeal the original sin of health care. It will take away the monopoly of the cartel. Create all sorts of alternatives. Now you now you could take your full wages and not have because keep in mind, you know, you're forgetting on the employer side, you're you're losing that in wages. They're they're putting dead weight uh, that should go into increased wages into insurance. So you'll get your full wages. And then also, even those of you who get it from work, most people still pay a certain percentage. You still are paying between the premium and deductible, you know, the the employer sh- matching share, you know, anywhere from one to 5,000, depending on what type of company you work at. So you, you're, you're going to take all of that with you and now go into the individual thing, purchase it just for, it should be four or 5,000 a year plan under, under what I'm talking about. And then now you have a massively higher wages, massive tax cut, and then that in itself will spawn such economic growth, both from the tax cut and the reformation of health care, that your wages will go through the roof. If I had to do one policy, not just to fix the tax cut, but in and of itself to fix health care and spawn economic growth, that's what it would be. 
we're already 40 minutes into this. I don't have time to really extrapolate on this. But my third and final thing, which is the final thing that I would really do, is the neutral tax. And that is the proposal we've talked about, we've linked to, to abolish all federal income taxes and corporate and individual, devolve it to the state, let the states fight it out on a local level, tailor-made to the structure, culture, business climate, nature of your state, how you want to structure the deductions, flat, sales, income, duties, what, no, well, not duties, that's obviously got to be on a federal level, but, but I mean, you know, tolls, whatever, whatever source you want to make it, states are in charge. So this solves the whole salt issue where you don't have to, states doing crazy things, but then they know they're, they're scrapped for revenue, so they need it, and then the feds come in and try to deduct, but, but now want to take it away. No, you take what you need, structure it the way you want, and then the feds have a guaranteed flat tax on the revenue that the state brings in. They take, let's say, 50 60% because that's what it is now. I mean, right now, the feds account for like 75% of the revenue of taxation, but you know, I think it should be less. But whatever it is, just average it out to what it should be, flat tax, done. And let's have the fight over fair and flat tax at a state level because I got news for you folks. Here's the dirty little secret, and this is borne out even from this debate and even from some conservatives I see messaging me that are making class warfare arguments. Here's the reality. We will never have a national flat or fair tax. I'm seeing just from the ability to take away one deduction and to jog our system one tranche less progressive it's politically untenable and even conservative voters are complaining about it there is no way there there's a i'm going to link to this in show notes but there is a chart from the tax foundation it's a little bit old it's from 2010 data but i'm sure the general sense um is still true we always talk about tax rates but what is the effective tax rate What is the effective tax rate of people? Look at this. First 15,000 of income for people, you know, and by the way, when we say income, it means tax units. So it's both individual people and uh, married filing jointly that work on this. Negative 14%, okay? So negative 14%. 15,000 to 30,000 income, negative 5%. 30,000 to 50,000 of income, just 3%. And even 50,000 to 100,000, just 8% effective federal income tax rate. Now, you still pay payroll taxes, you still pay, you know, maybe a certain amount of state taxes, but it's only 8% from 50 to 100,000. And keep in mind, that's mixing in individual tax units. So, you know, individuals, certainly, yeah, they're going to be paying a nice amount of taxes, certainly get closer to 100000 But families combined, where it's, the burden is much lower, the rates are much lower, and, um, you know, you're getting the child tax credits and all that stuff, I would venture to say it's much lower than 8 And when you're closer to the 50 rather than the 100 certainly, certainly it's closer to 3%. And then 100000 to 250000 is 13%. And then basically, it's everything 250 and over on average is 22 to 23%. 
So the point the tax foundation was trying to make is those people that say these wealthy getting these lavish deductions, like, well, dude, even after all the credits and deductions, they still pay the overwhelming amount of the income tax pie. But I'm making a separate point that the deductions benefit the low and middle income as well, that it's so low. So everyone's like, I support a flat tax, lower the rates and get rid of deductions. Like, I got news for you folks. If you had a true flat tax, you know what it would be? It would be a massive cut on the wealthy and a massive increase on lower and middle income. Now, to be honest with you, I think it's fair. I think it would, progr- it would massively grow the economy and it would spawn upward mobility that more people would be upper income. Because keep in mind when we say it's an increase, an increase of what? If you pay no income taxes and we now make you pay a little bit, I think that's fair. And I think most of you would agree with me. But I'm just telling you there's a dirty little secret that the original Steve Forbes flat tax was 20%. The lowest plan I've ever seen was 12%. So even if we go with the low, man, this is amazing. Twelve. I I know many people message me. I hate what the GOP is doing. We should have 12% flat tax and no deductions. And I laugh when they say this because the truth be told – That is more draconian than the current bill that a lot of even conservatives are messaging me saying, oh, that's going to be a tax increase on me because you're getting rid of the state and local tax deduction. Which, by the way, in the final bill, they maintain a lot of it. And somehow people still don't know that. But I got news for you folks. You don't reach a 12% effective tax rate until you're – somewhere in the mid-hundreds, maybe 150 or whatever it is. Again, 50,000 to 100,000 is 8%. 30 to 50 is 3%. So even if you go and have, you know, under anyone's flat tax, you would exempt, you know, you, you wouldn't start 20%, obviously, at the first dollar. You would exempt the first, um, whatever, you exempt the first 20, 30, let's say even 40,000. taxes on $40,000 of income. I got news for you. On people earning $80,000, $120,000, they'd be paying more. And and even people lower, they'd be paying more. You can't beat a 3% to 5% effective tax rate. The tax burden is not that high in this country on those people. It just isn't. The burden of socialism, of healthcare, of market distortions, of the Federal Reserve, of regulations, of course it's very high. Of course it's very high. But federal income taxes really are not. That's the legacy of the Reagan and Bush tax cuts. There's not a lot to go. This is why we're never going to have it. And the only way to do it is to devolve it to the states, have the have it in some because keep in mind some states already do have a flat tax or a sales tax they already have that culture just extrapolate that to everything and you know just fundamentally overhaul the system and i think people would appreciate the localism but to just merely take the current system of the federal government taxing the individual which by the way the founders never wanted that which is why you only had taxes on imports and duties for a lot of the beginning of our country. There's there's a lot of statements to that fact from Washington, Jefferson, Hamilton. They did not like direct taxation on a federal level. They really never wanted it. There's no good way of doing it. 
And if you're just going to say, I'm going to keep the federal income tax, but we'll make it flat. I am telling you, I challenge anyone to show me politically how you're going to do that without it being a massive tax increase on pretty much anyone earning, any family earning under 150, any individual earning under 110 or so. That's just the reality of it. Most people below middle upper income don't pay a substantial amount in federal income taxes. That's what makes this so difficult. But anyway, I told you guys my promise is always to speak the truth. So if I don't like what the Republicans are doing politically and I think they could do better, but ultimately their bill is a net positive, it's better than it's better to vote for it than vote against it. I got to speak the truth. That's where I think the arithmetic is headed. We're about out of time. I'm about out of any uh, vocal cords. My voice is killing me from talking so much. I appreciate your in, in, your all your input because it really helps me hone in on you know what I need to be focusing on. Send me your questions. dhorowitz at crtv.com is my email. At rmconservative is my Twitter account. We have a lot more we're going to go through this week on the tax issue on health care immigration, national security, you name it, CRTV, CR.com, conservativereview.com, I'm sorry, one-stop shop. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you all. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. Conservative Conscience.